Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. to the Spent the Rent podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is a friend of the podcast, Jeremy Dirtball Cummings. Jeremy is an entrepreneur, musician, and free speech absolutist. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I know I kind of threw that last one in there. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about free speech and some political stuff. Uh, there's a lot to unpack here. You, you've been uh, the little backstory about how we met. You uh, were my first podcast Twitter fan, essentially, uh, and you reached out. Uh, tell me about how you found the show. I don't remember specifically. I just, I really like engaging with the community and finding out different projects people are doing in town. I may have come across you through Talks with Tiger or through Thomas Yoda, maybe. Yeah. I don't remember the specific details, but just by poking around in the community. Yeah, there's a cool uh, growing behind the scenes uh, community of podcasters. Tiger, like mm -hmm. you had mentioned, Talks with Tiger is a good one. And then Thomas has what's now called Broken Class. He's been a guest a few times. So there's a growing community there. But yeah, you had reached out to me on Twitter and told me that you really liked the show, which was really cool because I don't use Twitter a lot. And I think that I'm going to start trying to get more involved with that. But you had reached mm -hmm. out to me and asked me to be a guest. And that was a while ago, probably about a year ago. So we finally made this happen. And it's really, it's really, it was really cool to me when you had reached out because I, I mean, I, it was growing for me, but it validated the the work that I was doing behind the scenes. And that was kind of nice. Definitely. So then we did an episode. Uh, I did a panel discussion about the impeachment inquiry and you did, we tried something a little different. You did a recorded question that we reviewed and that was kind of fun. That was quite a while ago. So I'm not going to lie. I don't remember the exact content of the, the discussion of the questions. I do remember mm -hmm. that we were pretty brutal about it on the, on the inquiry, but yeah. that was, that was fun. And you had, you were such a great sport <laughs> about it all. But again, thanks for doing this. Uh, Jeremy Dirtball Cummings. Uh, where did the name Dirtball come from? Let's start with that. Yeah, well, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, clearing my throat. Dirtballs, it came from the Dirtballs. The name Dirtball came from Dirtballs right here, which is a snack I make. And I had started making the snack Dirtballs, and I was starting to build it into a little business. And then I was making music with a friend, Augie Rose, who goes by Hottest in Streets as his artist name. And he just started calling me Dirtball. And then everybody started calling me Dirtball. And now I'm Dirtball. Yeah, it's pretty rad. It's, stuck. it's definitely become your whole brand. We're going to talk a lot today about the Dirtballs that you had mentioned. 
for the audio listeners that can't see what you had shown. I wanted to start with this because I do think that this is a great stocking stuffer idea. Uh, your website is snacktack.com, S-N-A-K-T-A-K.com. And the link will yes. be in the show notes. Is that pronounced right? Snacktack? That's that's what you call yeah, it. Yeah, it's like snack attack. Yeah, snacktack.com. And that's where you sell your dirt balls, uh, protein snacks. Tell me a little bit about what a dirt ball is. Yeah, I mean, I call them energy bites because they're not like super high in protein. There's some sunflower butter in there, but they're just simple, tasty little energy bites made of dates, papaya, coconut, flaxseed, cinnamon, local cinnamon from red ape cinnamon. Nice. Um, they're just, they're delicious. They're, I, I was making them and I was just going for the maximum flavor possible. And I just hit upon a really amazing combination of great ingredients. And so you were doing it kind of just in your own for yourself or initially, it wasn't something that you thought about selling or did that was the plan to make it something that you would market and sell? Yeah. The plan was to turn it into a product. Cause I had the, the origin of it was I had made some vegan oatmeal cookies for a bake sale back in college and they were just five ingredients. It was like banana oats, almonds, almond butter. And on the way to school, I started, I just, just had the idea in my head. What if I call these things dirt balls? I wonder what, what would happen then? And people just, people got a laugh out of it. They sold out every time. And I said, you know, I was studying journalism at the time, but I'd become completely disillusioned with journalism. And I said, you know, instead of journalism, maybe I'll just try to start a snack business. That sure. sounds like a lot more fun. So you have gotten them in stores. Is that true? Are they, are they still in stores? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so right now is actually a, a weird time for dirt balls because I ran into issues from, it was partially from COVID and partially from my mismanagement, but the production was on pause for a second and because I had trouble getting the packaging and some of the ingredients. Sure. And then, but we just sort of, it's kind of cool that the podcast got delayed one week because I can announce this oh, thing cool. that happened yeah. this week. I, I have a agreement with elegant elephant now which is a local bakery in town now where is that located it's right at the base of skinner butte there's a whole big complex of food businesses over there like hummingbird wholesale and everything but elegant elephant they also make products for a couple other companies like vanilla jill's ice cream nice and they're gonna be making the dirt balls so they're that's awesome. I got a manufacturer now, which is exciting. So now is there something with the dirt balls? Is there like a secret sauce or is it one of those things where you're not too concerned about people knowing the ingredients a, because they're going to be consuming it and B because they're not going to make it themselves. Like, like it's one of those things that you just have, have put the, the love into it. Right. You know what I mean? Is that kind of how you look at it? Yeah, totally. I've even, I've thought a lot about just putting the whole recipe out for the public. Like, Cause I, 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 I'm not like a tech person, but I, I think along those lines and I think about open source software a lot. And it's like having some kind of open source snack that people can also buy from me. Cause a lot of people won't choose to make it on themselves. A lot of people sure. just love the convenience. They want to just like order a box of dirt balls and have it show up on the doorstep. Right. But then, then for the people who want to make them, it would be awesome to give them the recipe because well, it's probably yeah, cost effective when you're when you're making them in bulk. You can probably pass that on to the consumer that it's a little bit more cost effective. So on Definitely. the website, snacktack.com, which is again going to be in the show notes, you can purchase uh is it a two pack is what it comes with? It comes with two dirt balls. Seven. Seven. Okay, so they're little, so they're pretty small. 
Yeah, they're like golf ball size. Okay. So then it's, you know, like I said, I think it would be a great stocking stuffer, uh, pretty inexpensive, and they're made right here in Eugene. So that's yep. that's really cool. And you support uh, two local businesses now if you buy them. Yeah. So, I, you know, I checked out the website, and again, we'll put the link in the show notes. So everybody should check that out. You know, with, with Christmas coming up, that's kind of a, a cool thing that I just think it's funny. Like you said, people really have appreciated the, t- the name, you know, the dirt balls. And yeah. so I know that there's been a thing in the past where people would get like chocolate coal, you know, and put coal in someone's stocking. So it's kind of mm. one of those things. I mean, it's definitely a different meaning, but like, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of fun. So yeah, hopefully you get dirt balls in your stocking if you're good. Right. Right. If, if I don't know if anybody, we haven't been able to go outside this year. So, you know, people have been relatively, no, people have been bad. Anyway, that's a different story. So yeah. one of the other <laughs> things on your website is that you have a blog and on your blog, you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, a healthy lifestyle and you do delve mm-hmm. into politics, which I think is kind of interesting because you don't, you don't worry about mixing business with, with uh, chaos, I guess. I don't know where we're, we're going to call that. Business with chaos. Yeah. I don't, I was going to say pleasure, but politics is definitely not pleasure, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, tell me a little bit about what you think is paramount to a healthy lifestyle. I know on your blog, you talk a little bit about living a healthy lifestyle. So what do you mm-hmm. think is paramount to living a healthy lifestyle? Um, I boiled it down to three things at one point, uh, healthy diet, strong community and connections to nature. And yeah. then each of those is kind of, you can expand on it. Cause for me, a healthy diet is kind of a holistic thing. It's the foods you eat, it's the activities you do. I even extend it to the information you take in. Sure. You really need to have a good balance of all that. Yeah. And one of the, one of the major sources of sickness in our society is the type of food we eat, all the processed foods, all the unhealthiness. Right. Well, no, we have we- so much extra health problems in America. You know, you're talking about a connection with nature. I know that that's something that's been lost a lot with the tech world, with all the devices Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But with COVID, it's kind of one of the silver linings of the original shutdown was that one of the things that you could do was go for a hike. You could get outside and do that kind of stuff. And I noticed a lot more people, including myself, getting involved with that. What has, how has COVID affected you? You mentioned your business being deterred now you had said with that that it was because some of the ingredients were harder to come by is that is that what you were saying yeah i mean the packaging was the big one i just because i i just changed the packaging to these pouches i was using these plastic cups with a sticker over the top before and i couldn't get the cups so i just ran out of what i needed sure but i mean other than that the business is mostly online yeah and i'm the only employee so it's not like there was any workplace social distancing or anything. So I've been pretty lucky. I'm just, I'm very fortunate with how I'm positioned in the world. And like my part-time job is also an online business. Mm-hmm. With not many employees. So that has been pretty stable the whole time. That so is it's the- really just been like the emotional strain that everyone's going through. Right. Now on a daily, I asked you this kind of, we had talked about this before, you know, about a week ago, we were going to do it and we pushed it back. Like you said, cause to be honest, I'm just, I was just burnt out with the podcast. I needed a yeah. little bit of time. I had hit it really hard uh, for the election. And then I just, I needed to let my brain rest. And I'm glad we took time off because I was, I got really excited when I started prepping this, but you know, how has COVID affected you individually? I mean, what was, I tried to ask you in a weird roundabout way and I didn't really know how to word it. 
Uh, cause I don't, we've never met in person, so I don't know you. I don't know you well. Except uh, for the one haircut. That's, that is true. We, I did cut your hair, it, even though it, if under your hat, it's hard to tell. No, no, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, for a lot of people that are very social, I know when I was in my early twenties, especially I was very social. I was, I was bouncing around. I liked to be around mm-hmm. people. Now I've kind of locked in. I've got my home life with my family, you know, has COVID kind of affected your daily life? Well, I mean, not so much my daily life, but I was, I had gotten really connected with the local DIY music scene. And obviously those house shows have been shut down. And that, that was basically the only social outings I ever went on. Like, I don't like going to bars. I don't like going to clubs that much, but the environment of the house shows was just really wholesome and pretty and very friendly all around. So that's been sad. And there've been a, I I've still been socializing because there are people there's like a select pod of people who I've been seeing. So I'm not completely cut off from folks. It's just, it's, it's tough not being able to go out to the shows. And a lot of those musicians were starting to build up like a really good beginning of a career. And that's been kind of put on hold, which is sad. Yeah. It's tough. You know, the live music scene is really struggling and I, and you talk about house shows. So you're talking about actually at people's, you know, residence where they're doing it kind of underground, but there's also some, some local venues that I'm not even, I don't, again, I'm not kind of in that world anymore, but you know, I don't even know if it still existed pre COVID, but like wandering goat places like that, that I wonder if these places will survive. You know, I worry about the wow hall Mm. that the wow hall it's, I'm sure that they're, limping through i don't i I don't know it's going to be really interesting to see because the wow hall is a staple i mean all of us kind of shit on the wow hall in some ways but we all love it you know (laughs) you know what i mean we're all like "Eh," you know but it's a great venue for that purpose that it's all ages you know it's really hard to find all ages venues that aren't centered i mean bar shows though are great for the performers because when there's drinks sold there could be more income you know because you can't really charge a lot for a concert locally for bands that are just starting out to get people to show up. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out. I think that we're going to have a resurgence in the arts in Eugene, not that it's ever gone away, but I think that there's going to be such a thirst for it when we can actually go and be in person that I think we're going to see some really cool things. There's going to be silver linings to this, this whole experience. Now you had mentioned how you were getting involved in the, in the music scene. You yourself are a musician and we're going to play a song at the end of this. But uh, tell me about how you got into that. Yeah, I've always been musical. My parents had me learning cello and clarinet and stuff at an early age. And it was in middle school, I think, when my my friend showed me how to make beats in GarageBand on the school computers. And since then, I, I, like, I torrented some music production software back in the day. And I was just making beats on the computer for a long time. And slowly starting to write raps, never really being confident enough to rap in front of people. But then eventually I was just like, after seven or so years of that, I started to realize, hey, I'm getting kind of good at this. Right. And then once I moved here, my friend who named me Dirtball, he actually, he taught me a lot about the hip hop game and how to make good music and really kind of put some rocket fuel in there to help me get going. And then I started playing shows, releasing more music. And I'm, I'm a pretty good rapper. I have a, there's there's some holes in my technique for sure, but 
Well, we can always grow. Yeah. yeah. So I noticed uh, listening to a little bit of your music that it's very uh produced uh, not produced it's it's got a lot of effects you know so how does when you do it yeah. live how does that work i mean because it's a lot of post-production type stuff so how do you how do you do it live is it a little bit more kind of rough live yeah definitely grittier i there's only one show i've or two shows i've played where i had effects on my vocals because it to actually have all those effects that i record with would take a lot of gear and yeah. a lot of probably i would actually need an engineer there sure making it happen so usually it's just me raw vocals coming out of the pa right sometimes i sing over the tracks with the vocals sometimes i do it without the vocals on the tracks yeah yeah so it's it's interesting and i mean i can completely relate because the music that i've made which i'm i'm not gonna i'm in no illusion that it's anything but a hobby but that being said like i i write my music in the studio while i'm recording it you know, it's not like where yeah. you're composing something maybe on a guitar or something like that for weeks, and then you finally hit the studio with it, a song that you've been playing a lot. Sometimes I write the second verse before the first verse. You know, I mean, you just do weird stuff yeah. to where you write it as you're creating it. It's like it's like painting in that way. So you're literally creating it and recording it while it's being written. It's kind of interesting, and that's kind of – I swear that's got to be a newer technique. I mean – I don't think that that's how music was done originally. You got together with a band in a, in a garage or something and you yeah. spent your time kind of writing the music. And then, you know, I've got friends, even hip hop artists, uh, shout out to Awkward Storms. Back when they were called Three Blind Mics, they had a whole set that was never recorded, you know, that they always just practiced it and performed it. Mm-hmm. And it's like you guys, it's kind of, it's rare to see that anymore. Like they had a whole planned out live performance. Yeah, they had, and they did hundreds of shows before they ever recorded a track, you know? So it was really, it's really interesting. You don't see that very often, you know? So, yeah. So, I mean, I can tell by the style of your music and, and people are going to have to hold out, you know, you'll be able to hear it at the end to know what I'm talking about, but uh, that you definitely probably are the same as I am with that, that you write it in the studio, you write it while you're recording it kind of thing. It's kind of neat. Totally. Sometimes I'm halfway through making a beat. And then some some lyrics just pop in my head. I start freestyling. Then I write all the lyrics and then go back and finish the beat. Then I change up the lyrics. And it's just, it's a very loosey-goosey process. It's pretty cool. It's very Eugene. Now, you mentioned that you, when you moved here, where are you originally from? I grew up in California. I had been going to school in San Jose for seven years before I moved up here. What brought you to Eugene? I wanted to get out of California really badly. And then I think, oh yeah, I just had one of my old friends was moving up to Eugene. And I said, huh, I wonder what Eugene's like. And I came and visited for a week and I said, yeah, I could live here for no particular reason. Because I just really wanted to get out of California. Sure. I mean, it's expensive and, you know, way too many people want to talk and all that good stuff. Eugene is a vortex. So once you get here, you, you know, you realize that even if you get if you leave you will be sucked back in i mean that's just the way that it worked mm. the it's one thing I, place yeah i mean i loved growing up here i think it would be really hard now to kind of explain to people the charm of what used to exist the festival mm. feel and all that kind of stuff i think that that's still there but there used to be such a deep communal feel in eugene and i i just think in the whole country as a whole it's kind of it's lost you know we're we're going to talk mm-hmm. about that in a little bit uh, you know, actually, let's get to some of that. Before we move on, I want to uh, give a shout out to my title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro. Uh, Oregon Cashflow Pro, free money management advice on YouTube. Check out Oregon Cashflow Pro. 
Uh, also, Hewlett Artistry. If you if you need Christmas photography, it's kind of coming down to the wire. Contact Hewlett Artistry. He's he's offering specials for you know family Christmas photography, and on my website at strpod.com slash sponsors you can find the links to their stuff uh, check out hewlett artistry also i'm asking individual sponsors this is just anybody that listens to the show if you've become a fan of the show and you want to help uh donate to the show i'm asking for I- individual sponsors to donate two dollars a month that's all it is two dollars you don't have to there's no obligation obviously the show will always be free but to continue uh the production of the show it does cost money for, for equipment and whatnot. So I'm asking uh, listeners that have become fans to donate $2 a month to the show. You click on PayPal and then there's a monthly check the box to do monthly donation. You can say $2 donation at strpod.com slash sponsors. That would be wonderful. It's worth it. Two bucks a month, people. Two bucks a month. That's all I'm asking. If I can get 200 people to do that, I would be sitting pretty. So so we're going to talk a little bit about politics. This is, I know one Let's of the things, yeah, this is going to be gross. Uh, but one of the things that you uh, have, have told me that you really enjoy about the show, it's definitely not what I intended. When I, made, when I started the show, I was interviewing hip hop artists. It's kind of mm. interesting how it's become this whole political show. And, and now that I live in Springfield, I've been covering a lot of Springfield uh, city government stuff, which is kind of neat because I'm learning about it. And then I plan on learning more and more about the process and then it broadening it and covering more about Eugene for the, t- for the time being, I'm covering a lot about Springfield and then national and very, you know, broader topics. Yeah. Uh, I hate political labels. I think it's an unfair thing. So I don't like my own question, but what would you consider your political label be to be? So what would you label yourself as? Um, I like to say, a libertarian anarcho-socialist just because that know. makes absolutely no sense yeah <laughs> it does to me though in a weird way so there's a lot to unpack there a libertarian anarcho-socialist yeah so libertarian and socialists <laughs> are kind of oxymorons but at the same time i do kind of get i do understand that now elaborate a little bit if you could well i guess i can start from the socialism part because when i think about socialism to me there's two types of socialism there's government driven socialism and community driven socialism and community driven socialism to me is something like there's a group in town called core eugene yeah they go out and they do the street feed and that's the community use like people on the ground in the community deciding how to use their resources to help the other people around them and then government driven socialism is it's government driven it's people bureaucrats and politicians deciding how to allocate the resources that other people out in the country have and making those decisions from a top-down centralized point of view and to me that in historically has led down a bad path in a lot of times and it probably will again in a lot of ways and i do think that's the direction we're moving is towards the government driven socialism type of thing we already are in that system in a lot of ways it's just getting more and more developed and people are having more and more of a hunger for it because of the there is so much inequality and people a lot of people fall through the cracks sometimes by accident sometimes by design yeah that's an interesting i mean i get what you're saying too and so libertarian 
obviously that's kind of the if you had to label the party that you were affiliated with even the libertarians kind of like independent no, I, I think the libertarian party is really dumb actually. well sure because it's the anti-government party yeah you're going to join the government I to mean, be anti-government and we're going to talk about that that was my next question about the two-party system and how it's broken you know and and it's interesting because i'm having you on and then later this or coming up next week i'm going to be interviewing uh alan zundel and he is he just released a book uh, about the origins of the Green Party. So mm. it's going to be really interesting because I want to talk about some of the third party, what, you know, whatever you want to call it, because I think a lot of people that are in quote unquote third parties don't like the term third party. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's yes, like marginalizing. Cause, exactly. Because you're still staying in the lane of two parties mm. by saying that, you know, that it's like the other kind of thing. But to unpack the the libertarian obviously that makes sense like you said limited government but that makes sense if you're anarcho uh socialist that means that you would believe that it's more the role for society than for government to mm -hmm. socialistic you know tendencies yeah and i mean it's it's really a lot of religious organizations i think do the type of thing that i'm talking about where there's like my church I grew up in back in California, there was a community fund where everyone on Christmas Eve donates to the minister's discretionary fund. And then he decides how to dole that out throughout the year. If someone needs help going in, getting an apartment, if they get kicked out, if someone needs bus fare or hospital help or something like that. And again, that is like one, one figure, one powerful figure chooses how to actually disperse the money but it's like all the community chooses to pool their resources together and then it goes to other people in that religious community right so i mean this was actually going to be my last question but i'm going to ask it now because i think it's a good time what do you tell marginalized people who feel it's government's role to create equity so in a in a situation like you're explaining which i agree like churches sometimes don't get enough credit for the good service that they do. Now, you know, they do a lot of, of quality work. Uh, Catholic community services in Eugene is incredible helping homeless, you know, and then the mission of course is something that people have talked about ad nauseum that they like what they do, but they don't like the fact that you have to go to church in order to do it. Now, mm. my answer to that is, is that there needs to be other services uh, that, you know, are offered for different kind of ideologies but the thing is, is that uh, the the mission and like maybe St. Vincent de Paul, they have this established name and backing, like you had just said, maybe you have a decision maker at the top, but you have a big community support. So mm -hmm. I guess, yeah, I mean, what would you tell marginalized people who feel it's government's role to create equity? Do you find, do you think that it can be done societally and not by government? I mean, I, I, there is a strong moral argument for the government working to uplift marginalized people. And even me, I'm as much as I don't, like philosophically, I'm anti-government, but I'm also pragmatic. And there is a government. People will always centralize and organize into hierarchies of power. And if we are going to have these systems of power, there's a strong argument that they should act in moral ways and try to elevate people who have been stepped on by society. 
Also, pragmatically, whenever you have centralized power and groups of powerful people, there's a lot of corruption. And they don't, I think a lot of people who get into government do it for selfish reasons and aren't necessarily there to help people. Right. And that's where the rub comes because there's a lot of people who say they want to help the public, but they're really just enriching themselves. Yeah. It gets messy. Yeah, there's some, I mean, I consider myself to be progressive, but there is, and because of that pragmatism that you're talking about, because I think about having to work inside the current system as it is, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we can work to change that system, but that would actually take away, in my opinion, take away from the progress that could be made today, you know, because that would make what we need to be doing today put on the back end to alter the, you know, at least on a national level, I think on a local level, uh, I'm going to hate, hate this, but the third party or non-affiliated, you know, uh, politicians, non-affiliated voters that are running for office can make a difference right away, you know, can get involved and you can have people that don't fall inside the two parties and you can get stuff mm -hmm. done. But there's people like Katie Porter, who I think is incredible because she's actually fighting for the working class people because she's a freshman Congress person that is new to it so she still hasn't been tainted you know you know a lot of times yeah. people get into politics with the right <laughs> intentions uh katie porter and ro Khanna, some of these progressive candidates or you know uh, congress people in california actually yeah. are doing really incredible things i think i voted for ro Khanna back when i was in cali that was the right move that there, yeah. there's yeah he's incredible so yeah i mean that's that's kind of interesting you know to think about because i know that a lot of times with with equity uh, marginalized people feel like they're like you said kind of they just get shit on by society or they get forgotten and and slip through the cracks is the term i like to use when mm. it comes to those services i was talking about before maybe that are christian based maybe that doesn't include gay people you know or uh things like that where it's just it kind of slips through the cracks where they're they have an expectation of what type of person they'd like to help now that being said i know that there's church groups that don't that don't look at like what you are. They just want to help you if you're in need. And so, yeah. I, I mean, I think that that's sometimes uh, people take that to an extreme. I don't think that that's the case in all situations or even most situations where churches are like, no, like I'm not going to help you, you know, but I think sometimes people do fall through the cracks and that's where, yeah. in my opinion, government's role comes in. Uh, now you voted for Kanye. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, Oh man. So tell we just me lost everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell me, so tell me why, tell me what, what your reasoning was for uh, placing your wasted vote for Kanye. I'm just giving you shit. I'm used to it. I don't, I don't really care. People always give me shit for a lot of things, but uh, I mean, so the simplest re way to explain it is I just don't like Trump or Biden. And I feel like if I'm forced to vote for people, I don't like then democracy is meaningless. Yeah. Kanye specifically, I so Kanye and I are both Geminis. And I really understand the crazy thought process and I think I can un understand where Kanye wants like the direction he's trying to head. I don't know. If, I don't know if he understands. But yeah, but anyway, he's an artist. He's freestyling. Sure. You know? Yeah. It's an <laughs> interesting thing. What? I think it's less about Kanye, in my opinion. We talked about this off air a little bit, and I feel like it's less about Kanye. Maybe not. Maybe you believed he was the right man for the job. That's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, he is. People don't understand the extent of what Kanye's done in the world. Like, he's sure. built a homeless shelter. 
revolutionized manufacturing for footwear, which is kind of a trivial thing. We don't really need nice sneakers, but he's accomplished a lot. And I have a lot of respect for people who just put the work in and do something. Right. And he's not, he's not doing anything but what he does. And he's building, like the school he's building seems really interesting. He, he talks a lot about sustainable advanced farming and he's really like the architecture aspect of what he does is really interesting because this kind of links back into the strong communities aspect of a healthy lifestyle. America is not set up for strong, happy, healthy communities. People don't know their neighbors. Nobody knows where their food comes from. And that's bad. Having like competing. that lack of community has a real detrimental effect on health. Right. And we're constantly competing for whatever it is. I mean, there's there's a point in my mind with a capitalistic society, there's a point where I'm like, that's that's enough. Like I don't need to I don't need to destroy my opponent. I just need to have enough to survive. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the thing that's that's interesting. We could talk about that with Kanye with the whole shoe business because it is competitive. The reason that it's thriving is because he's created this value mm-hmm. with the, you know, his shoes. I don't know. Yeah. I watched a little bit of his Joe Rogan interview and it was a train wreck in my opinion, but. And that's but, so, that's so bizarre to me. Cause for me listening to that whole thing, I'm just like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Wow. Kanye. Yeah. Let's get it. Kanye. But everyone else I talked to is like, what an asshole. What a self-absorbed prick. But yeah. I, I just, I don't know why I see it so differently than everybody. Yeah. And I mean, I enjoy talking to you the, the little bit we've talked, uh, you know, we had talked on the phone a little bit before this and I, I really enjoy it because it's, it's different. Some, I like kind of rocking the boat a little bit and, and getting different ideas because it kind of, all this confirmation bias is not really getting us anywhere, you know? And so to, 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 to take different things from different people, I think is really valuable. Now, obviously you have an anti-establishment attitude, or viewpoint, what would you like to tell the establishment if you could? Uh, Stop lying to people and actually give people the help that you say you will, in short. You know, I I might say stop lying to people like a hundred times. Right, that's the big thing. Uh, As far as society and the divide, what do you think needs to happen for for the people, for the voters? Uh, to help bridge the divide? That's a tough one, you know, because the divide is a result of people making politics a huge part of their personal identity. And since our politics has been reduced to this binary, you only have one of two options. And people are in competition because politics is a competition for power. And so people pick sides. Now you have your identity and you want your side to win. But people also, once you make something a part of your identity, it's incredibly hard to change that. And it's incredibly hard to take criticism because like on a psychological level, your brain perceives threats to your identity as a real physical threat. So when someone calls your political beliefs into question, that activates like fear and aggression in your brain. Yeah. And so I think it would take a lot of, it would take a big deep breath, a lot of deprogramming. I don't know. It's people have to want to do it also because people love the, the combat people love the political struggle. 
one of the things I really like about what you said today was early in the show, we talked about uh, living a healthy lifestyle and you talked about what we take in information that we take in. And I think that that's really valuable. I think that I want to kind of expunge on that a little bit because, you know, this is where the divide comes from is that we have, like I mentioned, our confirmation bias and we're all guilty of this. And one of the things I pride myself on is at least looking in the mirror, you know, and at least uh, knowing my bias, knowing that I'm a hypocrite, you know, Mm -hmm. and just being willing to admit that. And it doesn't make me uh, free of a flaw at all. You know, I'm a very flawed person. I do things and say things that are definitely can be construed as hurtful, you know, and maybe that's Mm -hmm. unintentional, but I'm still just a human being that's trying to navigate this crazy world. But that being said, I I just think that the not that I watch a lot of cable news. I'm kind of a cable news junkie, but I also try to psychoanalyze it or or break it down to think about their, their agenda, even if it's Mm -hmm. something that I agree with. Like I, I tend to watch a lot of MSNBC because I have the mind of an 80 year old. Yeah, but, uh, I, I mean, I kind of like, I'm, I'm a big fan of Chris Hardwick. Is that his name? Mm, I think so. Yeah. That, that, uh, I, I'm, yeah. So, I mean, I do like Rachel Maddow, you know, I, and, but I mean, I know that it's garbage at the same time. I know that there is a, is a, I have a big problem with Don Lemon because he's annoying. I just feel like Don Lemon, you can turn the TV and Lawrence O'Donnell, you turn on the, the news, Don Lemon, the CNN, but it's literally like Trump did this and it's appalling. And it's like, we need to actually think about show people that are doing things that are making a change and making progress in this life. And that will inspire others to do the same thing, you yeah. know, you know, instead of look at how atrocious this, this act by this person was, and I'm guilty of it as well. I mean, to me, you and I have different views on where we look at Donald Trump, you know, would you like to kind of talk on that? Because with Donald Trump, you, you have told me that you don't think that he is the, the dictator, you know, pseudo Hitler or whatever that people accuse mm-hmm. him of being. And can you talk on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think the way he speaks and presents himself is makes it easy for people to make the comparison to a, an authoritarian. But if you dig into a policy level, he's not so much different than any other Republican. But it's just yeah. his attitude. And really, it's just I, my main takeaway from the Trump presidency is you, the president should be a boring person. The president should not because the president sets the tone for the whole country. And so Donald, Donald Trump set the tone to crazy. And that's why everyone's gone so crazy because everyone sure. is just matching the energy. You talk about the president needs to being a boring person. Uh Biden, I mean, I think is pretty boring, but no, <laughs> what, what would, uh, what would it, ha- what would it look like if Kanye had won? I mean, he's connected to a lot of interesting people. He's personal friends with Elon Musk. He has a lot of friends in the tech business, a lot of people in different sectors of the economy. And I think he would bring in a lot of good people. But to me in the Joe Rogan interview, the most important answer he gave was when Joe asked him about what he would do with military. And his answer was, I don't know anything about foreign policy, so I'm going to bring in all the experts from all around different sides of things, hear what they have to say, and then make a decision based on that. Yeah. And that's the right answer. Yeah, delegation. If you're president, you should, like, it shouldn't matter what someone's politics are. It's like, you're good at economy stuff? Get in here. You're good at social stuff? Get in here. You're good at the environment? Get in here. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's kind of what Biden is doing, but 
I mean, we'll see. You know, except, for the, except for the war people, Biden, sure. like he's brought in a lot of the like neocon type warmongery folks already. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, the problem that I have with either party, the major parties, when it comes to that, is that it's just obvious that they're bought and paid for by weapons manufacturers, you know, and mm-hmm. so that's disgusting. So will the, the military industrial complex will live on. And so, you know, it's 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 really troubling. I do think locally we can really make a bigger difference. We focus so much on the national politics, on the president, you know, but mm-hmm. we, we don't focus enough on local stuff. Now, I'm going to ask you, and I mean, I guess I don't really like asking people flat out, who did you vote for kind of thing, but you live in Eugene. Yeah. What did you, how did you go about filling out your ballot for the local candidates? You know, and do you fall on, you definitely don't vote on party line. So what do you look for in a local candidate? Well, I mean, for local candidates, I, I mean, cause so for mayor, I wrote in Thomas Yoder for mayor. Cause I thought it was kind of ridiculous that there was only one option for mayor. Like where's the democracy right. in Eugene. And I, I've been wanting to dig into more of the process of like how, how primaries for mayor work and that sort of thing. Cause there were a ton of candidates in the primary, right. but somehow it only came down to one person in the final election. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So I really, I just, a lot of my political decisions, honestly, are just based on gut intuition, especially on a local level with higher level stuff. I, I dig into the policy, but for local stuff, it's, it's like, who are you? How do you interact with people? What's your connection to the community? How much do you actually care about people? And to me, Thomas is somebody who really genuinely cares about the community and wants to do good in the world. Yeah. And Thomas has this quality that's unmatched. It's not seen very often, at least, where even if there's major differences of opinion, Mm -hmm. Thomas will find common ground. Thomas will find a way to give you validation, not validation, but to give you at least a chance to speak. And that's Mm -hmm. rare. That's really rare. And Thomas is really inspirational and I think is the may the future mayor of Eugene. You know, I think, I mean, Isaiah Wagner had a a pretty successful writing campaign for whatever it's worth, you know, because obviously the goal of a campaign is to win, but Isaiah Wagner brought what I think Isaiah Wagner succeeded at was bringing voters that didn't vote, you know, bringing voters that in the past were disenfranchised with the system, like what you're talking about, like the fact that there wasn't two candidates for mayor, but, but mm-hmm. people showed up and voted and then they vote down ballot, whether it's, I mean, you know, they vote for whichever party they feel see fit. Cause I see a lot of Isaiah's support came from conservative people, you know, mm-hmm. that are just people on different sides of the aisle. It's kind of interesting to see. Well, mm-hmm. Jeremy, this is, this is really cool. Dirt ball. This is really cool uh, to chat with you. I really appreciate, you know, your fandom. You've been, uh, a big support of the show. And I really, I think it's, it's great. It's great to have you on. Uh, one of the things that I pride myself on with this show is just building community and the guests are just friends of the show. You know, you, mm-hmm. you reached out to Twitter and it was really cool. We, we, we basically, I don't know. I was, I just try to be accessible. So if you're listening to the show and you like the show, you know, message me. I mean, if you're a dick, I'm not going to respond to it. You know, <laughs> like I dick. just, yeah, I mean, I've had some people give me, I had Trey Stewart on and I got a bunch of hate mail and I just don't even, I'm not going to, if you're coming at me with anger, I really don't have time because this is just supposed to be fun for me. And it's supposed to be mm-hmm. about 
healthy adult discussions. You know, we're, we're trying to just kind of make progress towards things. And today's lighthearted. I mean, you and I are just kind of having a conversation here. I really wanted to help promote your business, snacktack.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people buy some dirt balls, throw them in a stocking there. I haven't tried people. them yet. I'm definitely going to buy some. A pack. Yeah, I'm going to buy some. So uh, I'll do that today. I'll place an order online and you distribute those yourself, right? So you ship them out. Uh, that's pretty, that's pretty rad. Yeah, definitely. When is the, so they're not in stores currently? No, but I, I've still been in contact with the stores and they're going to be, I, I think this, the partnership with Elgin Elephant is going to really help the expansion because they already deliver to a lot of the stores in town yeah. and it's really just going to streamline things a lot. That's Plus people hard. love dirt balls and they're pretty, it's a pretty easy sell. In I, I need, I think you need to try to get them into Trader Joe's. That's the thing that, you know, yeah. Trader Joe's would be a good one because I, I think that that's a, I think they would fit, you know, and they're, 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 the packaging, the website, the, the, I haven't tasted them, but the idea of the ingredients, it's so Eugene, it's so Pacific Northwest. <laughs> I love it. And, and that's, I mean that in an endearing way, you know, I think that, I think people are going to really like them when, when the word gets out about them. And again, it has a fun name. Mm-hmm. So we're going to end this with one of your songs, uh, Elon Cena. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what the song is about. And and yeah, and then we'll we'll get out of here. Yeah, I mean it's not really about anything in particular. It's like nice. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a fun it's song. Yeah. It's high energy. It's a I don't know. I was just going for a upbeat, motivational feeling to it. Having fun, freestyled all the lyrics pretty much. Yeah, N- didn't grab a pen, huh? <laughs> no, no. It's a good one. It's fun. I re- I really like the style. You have a unique sound, which is really cool. And it's rare in in music. Where can people find your music? Uh, You can go to Instagram at it's dirtball has links to the SoundCloud and everything. I have one song on Spotify, more stuff on SoundCloud. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way. That's cool. All right. Well, Jeremy dirtball Cummings. Thank you very much. This has been cool. Uh, Thanks for having me. And I, I'm going to work behind the scenes to, to get you to sponsor the show with your dirt ball so that we can, we can start a partnership there as well so that Secret I can help business you. deals. Yeah, yeah. Well, some back backdoor handshakes. So <laughs> uh Dirtball, this is Dirtball with Elon Cena. They walking in. Ooh, hope they TikToking. Lost my phone again. Everything iPhone. Everything iPhone. I don't play the guitar. I just let my home shine like a new star. Everything neutron. Jimmy John's on neutron. About to drop a neutron. We had a couple new songs. Bitch, I'm Jimmy Neutron. I'm talking about it's some next level bullshit like 2020 AI Elon Musk Neuralink type bullshit get at me oh my god
Sometimes I sound pumping bones to the face. Even though I see me, you can't see me out in space. Running in the bank, oh.